0: Hello, hello. Good afternoon. Long time no talk. I know we were, yeah, we were off last week for Thanksgiving, and uh, now it feels like Thanksgiving was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know why. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so much has happened since then. hmm. How was your Thanksgiving?
0: Uh, it was good. Yeah, we uh, we stayed here in Minneapolis, and all our family is back in California. So, uh, went to a friend's Thanksgiving and got to pretend to be a family member for a day and partake in all the uh
1: usual trappings it was uh it was good yeah cool that's fun yeah i did some family stuff nothing crazy Mm-hmm. nice yep, stayed local that's good yeah it's uh finally snowing here by the way yeah we've gotten
0: quite a bit i feel like we've gotten at least a foot of snow uh, oh wow past yeah few we weeks. have not yeah i'm pretty into it though it's like the first snow well it's still exciting Hmm. yeah it's the novelty's still there i went uh Got the cross country skis out and went uh, went skiing. Oh, cool! A couple days ago, and I'm super sore because it's like working muscles that haven't been worked in that way for eight
1: months or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird motion. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, cool. So, what's going on with you? Yeah, so um,
0: I shipped a couple things recently that I feel pretty good about. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I think I even talked about this last time that I was working on a, a Mailchimp integration. You know, this is like. From a technical perspective, not a huge undertaking, but was taking me a little longer than I had hoped just because there's there were some some foundational things involved with making a form action actually interact with a third party service and accept, you know, API keys and have a way to store those securely and kind of make the user experience really smooth for for getting all that wired up. And I kind of invested, you know, a lot of time into making sure that, you know, when you attempt to deploy a configuration and you haven't set your API key, for example, that right there in the CLI, it'll give you, you know, very clear, detailed instructions on where to find it, what command you should run, and uh, you know, really just trying to like make the developer experience such that you you almost wouldn't even have to read the docs. You could just drop in the bit of sample code that I give you, try to deploy and then use like error-driven development basically to, to kind of work your way towards having a working setup. I wish it had been really fast to bang out, but it just takes a lot of time to, to think through, like what's the best way to, to present this and how do I colorize my terminal output well so that it looks appealing to the eye and just makes you you know feel like you can totally see the clear path forward. And there's systems like Elm that are really good at doing this, right? And I kind of set the bar close to that level for myself. Like, how can I get this to just be like really, really good? And so, you know, it took a lot of time, but tried not to let myself perfect everything too much and spend way too much time on it. So I got that shipped. And then that was well received on the Twitter sphere and, you know, wrote all the docs for it, wrote up a guide for it. So I I did a feature specific landing page for opt-in forms and kind Of tweaked the way I'm presenting features right from the home page, from like saying, you know, this is forms and it can do a bunch of stuff to static kit allows you to build contact forms, it allows you to build opt in forms, and like trying to position things more around like what's the job to be done and less around like this is just a form solution. And then that kind of paved the way for you know, you can drill down now into one of those specific jobs to be done and see a specific uh, landing page around that feature, and so. You know kind of it was fun it was a fun exercise kind of thinking about what's the best way to to pitch someone on using static kit for their opt-in forms you know and the main pain around that is the feeling of uh, popping open your mailchimp account or even your drip account your convert account and seeing like the default markup that comes from an esp you know it's usually usually some mix of like some default styles so it doesn't look like complete crap when you paste it into your website but then like usually you actually want to you know, strip all that away and and style it according to your own methodology for styling. Like if you're using something like Tailwind, then you just want to like you want the bare minimum of markup necessary. And then you want to, you know, build it like you would normally build your website. And so that's usually not the experience you get from from an ESP. And even worse, a lot of times there's like bits of, you know, data attributes or fields named in a very cryptic specific way. And you're like, are these the field names I have to use? You know, and how do I actually customize behavior around this? Can I submit this via Ajax? Am I going to run into a cores problem? Like there's just a lot of uncertainty in trying to like take one of those pre-built form buildery type markup forms and make it work how you want it to. So I got to kind of play with some messaging around that, um, specifically around that feature. And so that was that was a good exercise. And we'll be you know applying that to uh, to future use
1: cases. Nice. Did you do much like launching of this thing or like promoting of this feature once it was out there? Yeah. So I kind of took like a
0: gradually soft launch it and then build the landing page and put it up quietly. I did do a bit of like teasing of of kind of the work in progress on Twitter because that stuff seems to get shared around and kind of amplified by the community like to see the way things are coming together and I specifically did that a lot around when I was crafting like the copy on that page like I shared some work in progress and then got a bunch of people responding like hmm you said ESP and I don't even know what that means and just like good kind of just taking a temperature gauge of how does this resonate with people that was pretty helpful and i had like ali bloom uh (laughs) chimed in a couple times kind of a copywriting expert around around onboarding and stuff like that so it was cool like to have these kind of these conversations that maybe would normally happen like in private like reaching out to somebody and getting their feedback from an expert but just like having the community giving their take and then an expert kind of chiming in like it was a cool it was kind of a cool thing
1: that is super nice. That's one of the great things about Twitter, I feel like. Yeah. When it's working well, is that. Yep. yep. Totally. Although I feel like you also have people that think they're experts. That they're <laughs> in, like, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Sometimes you got you to be ready to just say, oh, thanks for your feedback.
0: <laughs> you know, sometimes.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm employing that trick more and more. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. To follow on on the MailChimp thing, I actually didn't email my customer list yet about it. I wanted to, I kind of wanted to come out with more than one integration for email providers, just because I wanted to signal that this is, this is not just a MailChimp integration. This is a, I'm providing opt-in forms and I I'm integrating with the most popular platforms. And by the way, I'm like, want to hear other others that you want to see me integrate with. I wanted to use this as a test to see like, did I lay the foundations well so that I could knock out another integration with the provider in a relatively short amount of time. And so I think I clocked in right around three hours to build the kit integration which i was pretty happy with that like i was able to mostly mostly copy and paste a lot of like kind of the boilerplate that i wrote for the mailchimp integration and was able to refactor some stuff into reusable classes and modules and stuff so that to make it even even easier as i drop in more um, but that's kind of the goal is like how can i structure this so that I can kind of attack the long tail of integrations that people want because I think that's where you know that's where a lot of growth potential is and it's just having a large a large variety of integrations for for specific uses.
1: Um, I imagine it's nice to have kind of like a punch list like that where it's like well I can here's a list of things I can build that are all probably useful and will probably increase the utility of this product nicely. Yeah. Yep totally. But none of them are super probably too scary I guess. Mm-hmm and I'm I'm glad that this
0: is where I'm like feeling really good about the the decision to go towards the config file approach because it makes this so easy compared to having to think through like what's the what's the user interface flow for this and like, oh, now I got to do another OAuth flow for this other provider. And like, I don't know, there's just a lot more to consider when you're having to build UI for all those things because I did that at drip, you know, with drip automations and wiring up integrations and it was we got it pretty templatized, but it was still quite a bit orders of magnitude more work than what like building this conversion integration was for example so yeah feeling good about
1: that <laughs> yeah I, I think that that decision especially right now makes a lot of sense when it lets you iterate on the core product faster and not have to do so much work for a new feature that's kind of right. awesome
0: yep yep that's kind of what i'm trying to optimize for right now and also get in get people in the door who are pretty technical and like are really comfortable writing front-end code don't want to spend their time writing back end code but are cool with like dropping things into a json file like that's not scary to them and that's really the kind of user i want to attract right now anyways and then maybe maybe down the line you know people who are um, a bit less technical and and more in the no code type of community with varying degrees of technical expertise then maybe maybe it'll make sense to like bring this into the ui at some point but yeah i think for now this is like this is also a good like filter to help self-select kind of a, a good first audience
1: totally i mean it's it's a almost like a positioning exercise or effect
0: right right as i keep iterating on how to position this on the marketing site and one thing i think could be cool is just like say for this specific integration i wrote 527 lines of code to write this integration and you're just going to have to write three lines of config to utilize that. And like kind of just juxtaposing like, yeah, I mean, you're you're a developer. Potentially you're a developer with back-end skills. And yeah, maybe you could write this on your own. But guess what? It took this much code plus testing plus error handling all the the non-happy paths. And so do you really want to do that? Or do you just want to use this drop-in plugin for me?
1: You know? mm-hmm. so it, it occurs to me that and maybe you already thought of this and don't care. Are putting yourself kind of in the get a page when it's down in, in the middle of the night mm-hmm. app mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah totally Any concerns on that it's not ideal like it's one of my cri- one of my initial criteria was like don't be don't be so mission critical that the, <laughs> that that page may happen but i think you just can't always get what you what you ideally want and so i'm willing to i'm willing to live with some you know deviating a little bit from the <laughs> from the uh, ideal criteria
1: yeah I tweeted that thing this weekend about that email tool idea I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, yeah, that does seem fun. But like one of the things I realized about it is like, if I built this and people used it, they would need it to work. And if it stopped working, that would be upset in like legitimate ways. And I was like, ooh, that really makes me want to not do it <laughs> as a side project.
0: Yep. No, and that's true. And so I think I talked about this early on in the development of static kit that like I want to as much as possible try to leverage Higher levels of ab- abstraction in the platform as a service space. So, like, you know, I'm on Heroku right now for a lot of the core app functionality, but also have quite a bit hosted on on Zeit, which kind of sits on top of you know Lambda and Google Cloud Functions and provides an, like an abstraction layer on top of that. And so, I basically just want to try to outsource as much DevOps as possible, and I'm still looking for ways to to make this even less of my problem and more of the problem of a uh, of my provider, so that ideally like it just limits the amount of potential like middle of the night devops debugging i would have to do to
1: keep this service healthy i have uh, a thing on that for my section oh
0: cool yeah <laughs> can't wait to hear about it cool yeah so that last thing's for me so i'm starting now that i have those two integrations i'm starting to look closely at the stripe integration which i think is going to be really increase the value of static Kit. so i'm really excited to get that get that rolling.
1: What is like your rough draft of what that will do?
0: I've been having some conversations actually with folks because when I when I talked about payments, I kind of brought some people out of the woodwork who were kind of interested in like what what do you have in mind? And kind of sharing their their needs and their use cases with me. And something that's really become evident, and it's pretty like late breaking, like a lot of the European new regulations around two factor authentication for payments that are that's going into effect called i think SCA strong customer authentication that's the next wave everything is going to be gradually moving over to that in the stripe ecosystem and like it makes wiring up even like what used to be simple take a credit card execute a charge when the charge succeeds then fulfill the order right away for say an ebook or something like that right and now even things that used to be simple like that are just way more difficult with with SCA because there's a possibility that attempting to charge a customer, even for like a simple one-off thing, will trigger some kind of like email authentication flow where they receive an email, have to like validate that, yes, I tried to make this charge. And then like asynchronously at some point in the future, you'll get pinged back that like, yep, the charge went through or no, it didn't. So it makes even simple flows really difficult and setting up setting up things like subscriptions where you're not charging people right there when they're in session, but off session charges, that's all getting more tricky to deal with. And so Stripe is providing a lot of interesting kind of low level primitives to deal with this. Like instead of doing the tokenizing the card on the front end and then persisting that against a customer. Now you have to start your thing by kicking off an intent, a payment intent from the server side. And then the front end, it it attaches, you can attach a card using like their JavaScript library to that intent, and then you can asynchronously execute that charge, get a webhook back. So there's a lot more like server-side stuff going on than there used to be. And so I think that's really a, a big opportunity for me to kind of provide an e- abstraction on top of all of that server-side back and forth, kick off the intent, consume the webhook, blah, 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 kind of try to make it return it back to the smoothness that it used to be with the old style but just this is all sca ready and it's all wrapped up in this nice nice package for you
1: yeah that that does actually sound interesting so like if you are a front-end person the back-end components of that could be intimidatingly complex oh totally yep yep yeah Hmm. cool yeah
0: you know i don't want to get into Becoming like a full e-commerce provider with with you know managing your catalog of SKUs and all that kind of stuff, right? Like there's there's specialized applications for that. Um, even like using Shopify in a headless fashion. There's Snipcart. There's you know a bunch of ecosystem providers that do that. So I don't really want to get into that, but I could see like you know even like a SaaS marketing site for example. Like if you, I'm, I'm even gonna have to reevaluate how I'm taking credit cards for Kit right now, and I think. A lot of that could be really complicated if I try to be SCA ready, but perhaps I could just utilize my own stuff and like handle all the fulfillment using front end code plus static kit to like get all of the like card on file, kick off the initial subscription. And when it's all done, just send a webhook to my backend code base so that I know like here's the IDs that you need to store in the database. And like, it's all good to go, um, so I think it could be could be useful for SaaS applications even to like kind of offload a lot of that stuff.
1: Is SCA like a Europe thing only, or is that uh,
0: yeah, it's Europe only right now, I think. But it is like also a Visa Mastercard thing that's happening in Europe, and so I think I think the thinking is like this type of you know additional authentication stuff will very likely start leaking into the U.S. and other parts of the world. I think U.S. tends to lag a little bit in the payment technology in general. But yeah, sounds like it's, it's coming. And like if I look at how, who's signing up for and this, this affects SaaS providers, especially, I think, you know, like who's who's signing up for your SaaS app, like a majority of my people using StaticKit are not in the U.S. So it really it really impacts a lot of folks who yeah, appear to be in, in Europe or just non North America.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. interesting this makes you want to look for us too i'm curious now Uh, last time i checked it was mostly u.s and then like some europe but less i don't know this sea thing like i get why in for the world it's good but like also i was pretty happy with the old way where like some fraud happened and that's a bummer but like it was absorbed by people that were not me and things that decreased my conversion rates were not happening and i didn't have to deal with this
0: it's really all about shifting liability right and kind of it pushes more more liability away from I think credit card processors like visa and mastercard how much fraud they had to deal with and chargebacks, and and they're basically saying like no we're going to put all these layers of multi-factor authentication on top of our stuff so now it's like it's your problem to deal with and not ours because it like probably severely reduces the amount of fraud happening on their end um, so yeah
1: it's, yep i get it i mean i, I understand why they want it
0: yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah But I I see this as an opportunity, you know, like it makes total sense to me. Like Stripe, I'm diving into their docs. They're very well written. They kind of describe like, here's why we have to do these things this way now. And here's why you can't, you know, everything kind of has to be asynchronous because there may be out of band stuff, verification that happens. And I I kind of can see the boundaries of where they're, where they draw the line on what they provide. And I think this is just a great opportunity for, um, you know, for someone like me to come in and like kind of make this a. A nicer experience for specific use cases like they have the primitives
1: and then someone can kind of kind of wrap it up very interesting i mean that that is a little scary though because stripe does tend to move up from the primitives
0: yeah mm.
1: only to a certain level though
0: like even their checkout stuff even their checkout stuff is it's like uh, the very simplest use cases are handled and they're now they're mainly hosted like if you want to if you want to be sea ready with with checkout flows you you get redirected to stripes checkout page basically for some that's okay for others they really want to control the the experience and have it live on their site so i think i think yeah it's possible that that stripe will get into that but i'm just picturing like the the things that the tooling that i'm going to be building like i can't imagine stripe like offering all this in their
1: product i think so i guess i'm not too too scared
0: (laughs) so what do you got going on
1: uh not a ton this time so a kind of great moment happened last week. Uh, so Joel left for the week for Thanksgiving, and so he was down in Charlotte. And Spencer and I got together on Monday, and we worked for a while. And we got to the end of the day, and I was like, "So, what, what do you want to do tomorrow? Like, go to my like, kind to my apartment, go to your apartment. What do you, What should we do?" And Spencer was like, "Are you working on like anything big?" And I was like, "No, nah, not really. I kind of just shipped this thing. I'm, I'm sort of at a stopping point." He's like, "Do you want to just take the rest of the week off?" And I was like, yeah, definitely. Sounds great. uh So that was like kind of like the, to me, like a wonderful moment in like startup life, kind of quality of life thing. We, we just decided like, yeah, let's just, let's just do this and we can and it'll be fine. And it was, it just felt really good.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. Cause, uh, cause often the tendency is to do the opposite. Like for me, <laughs> I got asked like, you know, by someone like,
1: oh, so Friday,
0: are you, are you taking the day off? Are you working? And I'm like, eh. I work for myself, so I'm probably going to get some work done, anyways. Like, and that's not necessarily the the healthiest attitude to always have, right? Like, on the one hand, you can sometimes take joy in hustling when other people are off, but then it's also like sometimes good to leverage the fact that you don't have a boss lording over you, telling you you have to work,
1: give yourself totally. some time yeah. I, mean, I think the, the beauty is is the flexibility. Yep. It's yeah. Deciding which one you want to do, and they're both good answers for various reasons. It felt a little bit like, oh, we've kind of arrived a little bit. It's like we don't. It's, nothing's on fire we have a good engine the engine will keep turning if we go and take a couple of days off for thanksgiving and and things are good it felt that felt nice another cool thing that's going on is so i i i believe i've settled on customer io for our transactional emails now so drip has been just changing the positioning and saying hey we're not for you anymore and so i've decided to take its word for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and have been looking around for an alternative and of the things i've tried so far this has felt like the best fit to me and I've spun up a couple, of, like, campaigns, and I'm sending a lot of data there through Segment, and uh, it's it's working kind of nicely. And, like, today I did a thing that I've been wanting to do for so long, but, like, there was all this infrastructure work required to get it going, which is the first time you give a five-star call rating to ask some, usually, like, hey, would you mind tweeting about Tuple? Like, this is how a lot of people hear about us, and you just had a great experience. Could you share that? It took, like, five minutes, ten minutes to get that thing all wired up after many many hours of a bunch of like core infrastructure work but now it's finally like, it's like it was like the victory lap on like a like a, a very long process
0: right right is it basically set up in a way where you just send events like every single rating gets piped in and then you can configure rules in custom io that basically says if this is the first instance of this event then send this th- thing is that kind of how exactly. it works exactly yeah
1: yep yeah. yeah that's cool and i actually I actually tweaked it a little bit. My original plan was t- just to do the first one, but now I have it. The thing I'm going to try is basically every six months you become eligible to get this email again w- after you give a five-star rating. So we'll do it once and then, and then not bother you for six months and then it'll ask you again. That might not be the best way to do it, but it was nice that that option was there. Like you can set kind of a what's the, how, how often and when and under what conditions can this recur. Got it.
0: Very nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm digging customer IO. It's very, um, it feels very nerd focused. Like it's sort of unapologetically technical and nerdy and lots and lots of options and switches and metrics and stuff. And I, um, I'm, I'm appreciating it as that, that kind of person.
0: Yeah, totally. Cause it's hard as I, as I'm learning, it's hard to offer power and flexibility when, if you can't just go all in on like assuming a certain level of technical (laughs) prowess, you know? (laughs) And so it's cool that they're, that they've kind of leaned into that.
1: Yeah. And I, I like that. Like, that's that's what I'm looking for for this kind of thing. And so I appreciate that they're, they're unapologetically like that. Like, I don't really... For, for me, I, I don't want the, like, oh, it's so simple kind of thing for this. Like, I, I want the, the tweakability. And, like, some of this is probably just, like, wishful thinking or something. Just, like, me imagining that I'm a more sophisticated transactional emailer than I am. And, in fact, the basics would probably get me done. Like, <laughs> get, get, get me by. But whatever. Yeah. I'm... I'm I'm enjoying the, the fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that has been good. On the not as good infrastructure side, I think I, m- I mentioned this a couple times in the past. Like we're we're bumping into our first like scaling uh, issues. We're using Heroku, which makes it easier to throw money at the problem if the problem is like capacity. But it's starting to seem like maybe the problem is not quite capacity. Like we're we have the situation where that I, I'm not used to dealing with architecturally, where there are thousands of people connected to the server for like forever like just, they're just they have open websockets connection through action cable and it's, it's time sensitive like it, it, that has to be up to date with like who just signed on and also who's calling me right now and did that call get terminated or whatnot it, it mostly works fine and then we'll just have these the situation crop up that we don't really understand fully yet where it's like oh everything is slowing down uh heroku's giving us all these warnings and the things are going slower and the calls aren't going through like what is happening we're in this sort of first phase of like okay something is wrong but we don't really know what yet And so we talked about, well, we could try this or this or this. It's like, no, 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 no. We have to step back and figure out what the actual thing is. Like, let's start, like, drawing Xs through parts of the infrastructure that we have found evidence that show us it's not this. So, like, the first thing we're doing is basically just getting better metrics and logging in place to make sure we can actually dive into this and say, why is this slow? Where in this chain are we getting stuck?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, does it seem like it's either memory or CPU at this point? Like, is that popping
1: up? that has been a problem we would see memory use grow like crazy and then to the point where Heroku would be like no there's not enough memory i'm gonna die Uh, and so we are paying for the really expensive like performance giant dino things Um, and that was like okay that fixed that problem but we're still seeing it seems like we're still seeing delays and backups even when there's not memory pressure happening
0: it actually surprised me quite a bit when kind of that action cable stuff got put into rails core because um ruby is historically not very good at concurrency (laughs) you know at like multi-threaded operations and lots of concurrency. i I don't know what kind of magic they're doing behind the scenes to make that uh even work um
1: yeah i have no idea so yeah we are slightly tempted to like chain like depending on what the culprit turns out to be but there are other languages and frameworks and servers and things like that that are good at this kind of thing elixir (laughs) yeah elixir is great at this particular job yeah um i'm not eager to jump into a now we have a distributed system yeah (laughs) architecture yeah if we can (laughs) all avoid it yeah um and maybe that's not the problem maybe it's something else like maybe it's as simple as like we have a query that is way too inefficient that's slowing everything down who knows so that's the first step is to actually figure it out but that could be the eventual answer is like okay this part of the application should not be a Ruby app.
0: I guess the the third option. And so it's like rewrite and still host your own web sockets in a different application or pull a third party service like pusher or something like that. Right. Which I mean, there's, there's trade offs with that as well, but then it's just like outsource all the web sockety things, then translate it down into web hooks and HTTP requests, which a web server can, can handle much more easily.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not even sure it's, I don't know how that would work. Yeah.
0: Maybe like hosted hosted web sockets, basically, is what pushes does. Oh, hosted, does. yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that may be what we want. TBD, we'll see. Like I said, first step is figuring out, okay, there's, there's a bunch of components that could be guilty. Let's make sure we actually are going to fix the one that's actually the problem. As fun as Elixir would be, I do want to write some Elixir. That sounds like a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that means I probably shouldn't do it, because... <laughs> Yeah,
0: would still be probably, problems. probably, hopefully, much faster to just uh, just diagnose the the action, the, the bug, and fix it.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it's just like, oh, we just need a faster database here. Okay, it's an extra 200 bucks a month. Next problem, but we'll see. We've been we've done that a few times now, and so far that has worked. But it seems like we have now bumped up against okay, something something actually wrong is wrong, more wrong than we can just throw resources at. Right.
0: And you know, potentially, you may find out that it's just like, oh, we can only handle. 500 open connections on a dino or something and then it's just a dino scaling issue you know
1: right exactly we want to go horizontal yep that could be we'll see well the good news is there are people out there in the world that have done this before so if we get stuck surely we can solve this problem somehow with somebody (laughs) totally in fact after talking about it on this podcast you might get
0: unsolicited outreach it has yes. been known to happen <laughs> it definitely happens and yeah. I, I mostly appreciate it yeah me too. except
1: when people say why don't you just blank yeah. blank blank <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep feel free to offer ideas if you have them although i don't quite know what the smoking gun is yet so might be better to wait there's more details but yeah that's it uh in my world coming up in december hey november was our uh, best month by the way in oh, terms nice. of growth. oh congrats yes set a new record yeah which is pretty cool very nice so yeah that's pretty good. Nice way to start the end of the year. Mm-hmm.
0: hmm So, any any specific plans for December? I mean, it's not typically known to be a great SaaS sales month. So, are you guys? Yeah. Are you dialing back marketing? Are you keeping it kind of steady? Like, what's your? I'm trying to get some
1: t-shirts made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, trying to record some podcasts. We chatted a bit today. I don't. I don't think we quite have explicit like here's our goal for december we have a we set some quarterly goals that will wrap up at the end of this month uh we're pretty much on track for those so i'm not sure that it's gonna require any like last minute herculean efforts yeah we'll see i'm not quite sure what the month is gonna look like yet i have a hunch it might be kind of light with the holidays and whatnot and just not trying to fight the tide i guess like it's going to be kind of slow that's kind of how it is that's okay maybe do some uh, infrastructure kind of work while it's a little bit quieter
0: yeah i've done a ton of planning myself for it but i kind of see it as like um i don't know i might end up just continue continuing to drip out like work in progress and try and keep people excited about stuff on the on the flip side i might try to do some some deep like investment in some really cool stuff that i can then like promote right after the first of the year or something you know like
1: yeah that's sensible yeah maybe a mix of both (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'll start a complicated mission critical side project just for fun yeah there you go (laughs) maybe about yeah probably not probably not a great idea. all right uh anything else for you uh no i think that's it cool you want to wrap it yeah let's wrap it show notes
0: show notes can be found at art
1: thanks for listening see ya